Good evening, guys. Trust you're all warm and snug in your homes. Thank you for taking the time to join us as we seek to find God's ark of financial freedom. We've been and are heading into some tough financial storms, locally, nationally and internationally. But during the hectic, catastrophic flood of Genesis, the best place to be was in the ark with Noah. During the storms that we are facing and going to be facing, the best place to be as God's beloved children is on his ark of financial freedom. The Bible tells us that God's ways are higher than our ways. Ways that do not make sense from a human point of view. But as we obey his ways and commands by faith, as Noah did, taking that faith journey, we get to walk in his freedom. As mentioned, Brent from Outlook Church in Richards Bay is going to be leading us on this journey called Biblical Financial Wisdom for Tough Times, with a subheading Radical Financial Repentance, which Brent will explain. We trust that each of you will commit to the next five weeks and that the fruit of the investment will be years of living in financial freedom. Our prayer is that we'll look back in the years to come and be able to say thank you Jesus I found that arc of financial freedom during the corona storm of 2020. Brent's now going to pray for us. God's word. Father, I ask for your help and for your anointing. Help me to teach your word well. I pray that we would receive your word well. I pray that this in this area of finance, you would come and shed, shed light. Come and show us. Come and reveal yourself to us so that we can be strong, so that we can be fortified for the journey ahead. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Alrighty, I'm going to be reading from uh, the New Living Translation of the Bible. And uh, I want to kick off with a big why. Why are we talking about finance? We're not a church that's all about money all of the time. But finance is a big thing. Jesus spoke about finance a lot. And uh, let's kick it off in Revelations chapter 5 and verse 12. It says uh, a picture of heavenly worship. It says they sang in a mighty chorus. Worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered or slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Isn't that a beautiful expression of praise that we see taking place in heaven? Now, what's interesting is, is there's seven things that are listed as expressions of worship. Did you hear what they were? To receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. So, it's interesting that riches or finance are mentioned as one of the aspects of worship of God. So this is really the crucial big why behind uh, everything to do with our finance is to recognize that the way we deal with our finance is actually an act of worship towards God. Sometimes we try and separate this as uh, my spiritual life, this is my secular life. Well, there's none of that according to scripture. We are instruments of worship. We were created to worship God and to reflect his glory glory and money and the way we deal with money is one of the instruments and tools that we have of worshiping God. So we can use our money as an instrument of worship. Our goal should be to glorify God with our finances. Now this is crucial. It's not just riches as in I've got extra. How should I use it? No, no. This starts with what we have right now. So even if you're in a place where you're in a financial mess, I pray that these principles would, would as, you, as you understand them, as they become part of your heart, would become a game plan and a roadmap to get you out of the financial mess and into stability and strength to the glory of God. So that's why we're talking finance. But 
Why repentance? I've entitled this, uh, this little series Radical Financial Repentance. Finance, because money is a way that we can worship God. But why repentance? What does repentance really mean? Well, that word repent comes from the two words, obviously, re and then pent. Re means to turn back, to go back again, to repeat, to return, to reread. In other words, going back to something. And pent, well, that word actually appears in words like penthouse. It means the top or the highest. The penthouse is always that floor at the top of the building. So in some ways it's to repent actually means to go back to the highest, which is a beautiful way of looking at it. Um, because in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 9, it says, For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Isn't it beautiful? It, it speaks about God's ways. God saying, my ways of thinking, my ways of doing are so much higher than your ways. So now the word repent, go back to the higher ways. So to repent simply means from turning from our way of doing things to God's higher way of doing things. So we take our wallets, our budgets, and our thoughts, and we turn them to God's highest ways. So that's the challenge. And I, I called it radical because I pray that some of these things that you, you hear, may, maybe you don't hear them for the first time, but really the emphasis is going to be, let's get radical. Let's not just talk about a few biblical truths. Let's get radical and repent and turn our finances over to God so that He can be glorified and bless them. So, part number one then we're going to look at today is called Breaking a Poverty Spirit. And you thought I was going to talk to you about budgets today. No, no, we'll get to budgets. We'll get to all of those things maybe next week. But really, it always starts in our heart. Remember, one of the key principles in the kingdom of God is that first we need revelation before resources. When we have a revelation of the God of hope, hope flows. We love because He first loved us. In other words, it's in our revelation of God, out of that, resources begin to flow. And so one of the biggest stumbling blocks that so many people, including myself, have in this area of finance is something called a poverty spirit. So poverty is different to poor. Now, I know in different languages, they might have different words or the same word, but I really believe, I don't want to get uh, uh, technical, but I truly believe there's a difference between poor and a poverty spirit. Poor simply means you have a lack of resources. Now, let's be honest, Jesus would have been classified as poor. Jesus didn't own a house, he didn't own a car, he didn't have an iPhone, didn't have, he didn't have much money. So in terms of resources, Jesus would have been classified as poor. And you know what? There are millions and millions of people around the world who are poor. And the Bible says, blessed are the poor. So there's nothing wrong with being poor. It's just simply having limited resources. Poverty is a spirit. Poverty spirit is a spirit of I never have enough or I am not enough. A poverty spirit is a spirit of lack that dwells in your heart and influences every single area of your life, including your finances. It's a spirit of lack, of never having enough or feeling like you are enough. Basically, it's a lack of trust in Jesus to be able to provide. And here's the honest truth. A poverty spirit is a sin. It's an, actually an insult to God. Uh, Jesus himself said, let it be done to you according to your faith. The problem is a poverty spirit is always having faith for not enough. I'm not enough. I won't have enough. And so really a poverty spirit hinders your ability to truly trust 
in the goodness and generosity of God. So I want us to spot it. I want us to identify it in your life. I've seen it in my life so we can catch it, take hold of it, repent of it and turn it over to God's truth to be changed. Let me give you then uh, seven signs of a poverty spirit. How would we identify it? I actually took these from a blog, the Christian Truth Center blog, and I want to identify seven ways that you can identify whether you have a poverty spirit in your life. Number one, a feeling of being discontent. You never feel like you have enough and never feel like that you are enough. If I had more, I would feel better about my life. There's number one, a feeling of discontent. If only I had more, then I would be happy. Wrong. Number two, always storing or accumulating. Now, this is not about being a good steward. It's good to save money. It's good to be a great steward of what God has given you. But a poverty spirit wants to hold back just in case. This is a fear of running out, of not having enough. Fear that uh, the well will run dry. You'd battle to spend money because it just feels safer to rather hold on to it. To be honest, I wrestle with this one. So I wrestle on spending money, especially spending money on, on myself or on, on anything luxurious. Maybe it's better just to hold back. It's a sign of a poverty spirit. Number three, stingy, which is very similar. When you do give, when you have to give, it's never a joy. It's always a bit of a grunge because mm, you battle to, to be separated from your money. It's a battle to give for fear of running out. If I give, I might not have enough. It results in always trying to buy the cheapest, always trying to order the cheapest of the menu, stingy holding back. Number four, this is a big one, sign of a poverty spirit is worry or anxiety. Worry about provision because you fear that it's not enough and will run out. You worry about tomorrow, about not having enough. Now this is a big one and I know many of you probably struggle with this. It's just that gnawing feeling in your gut, that stress, that worry. In fact, so many marriage issues are not really marriage problems. They're actually financial problems that are taken out on one another, especially in marriage. It's that, that sense of unease, worrying, worrying, worrying about the future. Number five, always asking others for financial help. Now, sometimes we can disguise it. Maybe we're not standing on the street corner begging, but sometimes it's a subtle, always looking for someone else to pay, always looking for a loan, always looking for credit cards, always looking or asking directly, always asking and expecting others to help you out. Now, never have enough, so always depend on others to pay. This could be asking, begging, or taking loans. Number six, sign of a poverty spirit is envying others. That means always comparing yourselves to others and wanting what they have. Oh, it's not fair. If only I had that house, if only I had that car, if only I had that job, always comparing, envying, and thinking, if I had what they had, oh, then I would be satisfied. Nope, you wouldn't. And then number seven, are being, I mean, a sign of a poverty spirit being controlled by worldly possessions. Why? Because you find your value and security in worldly wealth and are now being controlled by them. And uh, this is a huge thing, that materialistic spirit, feeling like my value is in my stuff. And so imagine what it was like for that rich young ruler when Jesus loved him, but said to him, if you want to be perfect, in other words, if you want to be free and truly enjoy eternal life, then give away what you have. And the poor man, I mean, the rich man went away sad because he was wealthy. He was so attached to his stuff that he couldn't give it away. Do you battle to give things away? Are you too attached? Is your identity and value in your stuff? That's a sign of a poverty spirit. So how do we break 
a poverty spirit in our lives. This is the foundation stone. If we're going to move forward and walk into financial freedom out of some financial trouble and mess, we've got to be able to break this spirit as the first step on our journey towards victory. So three truths that we're going to look at. Truth number one, and of course, it comes back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It comes back to the cross. It comes back to his resurrection. It comes back to the amazing work of salvation in Jesus. So in John 3 verse 16, that famous verse, it says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. You know, to believe in the gospel means you recognize that God is the most generous being in the world. Stop and think about that for a moment. Have you had that revelation? Do you believe truly that God is the most generous being in the world? For God so loved the world, He gave that which was most precious to Him. He gave willingly, voluntarily, because He loved us. If we don't have that revelation of the generosity of God, then we'll always be left wondering, oh, will God provide? Does God want to provide? Of course he wants to provide because he's already given us that which is most precious to him. You cannot believe the gospel without believing in the generosity of our God. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, I love Paul's argument right here. Listen carefully. It says, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? That's it right there. Think about that, my friends. Paul's argument, he's saying, well, think with me. Surely if he's given, if he didn't spare, hold back his own son, then how can we be worrying about little things like our provision or a home or a job or this? Surely if God's demonstrated his extravagant generosity by giving his son, then surely we can trust him for everything else as well. To live with a poverty spirit is an insult to God. You cannot say you believe he saves you from sin without believing he wants to save you from hunger as well. Amen. Can you say amen to that? Wonderful. Well, number two, then we're talking about three truths that are going to break that poverty spirit. One, believing the gospel, the generosity of our God. Number two, and in some ways, this one was the biggest one for me. And uh, maybe it'll strike a chord in some of your hearts as well. It's secondly, it's believing in your value to God. How valuable are you to your heavenly father? You see, what I've discovered in my life and in in other people's lives who struggle with a poverty spirit, this is really the issue that it so often comes down to. Do you see yourself, that self-image, as valuable to God or mm, not so valuable? See, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 26, Jesus speaking to his disciples, he said, Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? I remember reading this scripture a couple of years ago. And as I read it, I've read it so many times before. But on this particular time, as I read it, it's as if God's spoken to my heart. Brent, this is the issue. Do you believe that you're valuable to me? You see, if we don't believe we're valuable, then we won't believe God will treat us as if we are valuable. At the root of a poverty spirit is the issue of self-worth or value. 
If you do not see yourself as valuable, you will not be expected, you will not expect to be treated as valuable. And in some ways, this was a, a real rebuke that came to me from the Lord. And in fact, at the exact time as God was, was ministering, this, ministering this truth to me, and I was wrestling, but I mean, how valuable I am. I was on a, on a trip. Often it's God speaks to me when I'm on a trip flying somewhere to, to a different nation. And, and as God was ministering this to me, this has only happened twice ever in my life. I got into the check-in counter at the airport and they said, ah, Mr. Brading, we're going to upgrade you. And they put me into business class on an international flight. I was overjoyed. This was like heaven. But as that was happening, it was as if the heavenly father was just smiling down and saying, Brent, you're valuable. I want to say to some of you, your heavenly father says you are valuable. Maybe you don't feel it, but that's beside the point. Your value is in that God has made you. He has put value inside of you, not your performance, but who you are as a child of God. God has made you valuable. Listen to uh, a couple more of these beautiful scriptures in Matthew 10 verses 29 to 31. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Don't be afraid. In other words, if you don't have a revelation of your value, you end up being afraid. So maybe if you are afraid, that could be the problem right there. God, give me a revelation of how valuable I am to you. In uh, Matthew chapter 12, verses 11 and 12, and Jesus answered, he said, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. How much more valuable are you? This is such a, a crucial thing. Understanding our valuable to God stops us worrying about protection, stops us worrying about provision, stops us worrying about our health. Those three parables Jesus gave. How much more will your father provide for your needs? How much more will you be protected? How much more would you, your health, would he pull you out of that well like a lost sheep? We are valuable to our God. The greatest proof of our value, of course, is in the price that the Father was willing to pay to redeem us, to get us back into His family, to get us out of slavery to sin and death and bring us back into His presence, back into His family, back into eternal life. What price did He pay? Of course, He paid with the very precious death of His Son, Jesus, on the cross. That should speak to us more than anything else. That should speak to us. This is how valuable you are. This is how much our Father in heaven was willing to pay for us. So we're looking at three truths. How do we break a poverty spirit? Starts with the gospel, believing in the generosity of our God. Number two, having a revelation of our value to God. And then number three, by you see, faith is always active. Faith always has an ingredient of, I'm going to repent and start living this even before I feel it. I'm going to live it in faith until it becomes a true revelation. So how do we break a poverty spirit? Number three, by learning to live generously towards God. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. God has lived generously towards us. He gave his only son for us. He gave that which is most precious to him. Our response should be to live generously back to him. Not just generous as in give money and tithes and offerings. That's not what we're talking about. We'll talk about that another day. What I'm talking about is our hearts. Are our hearts generously open and generously loving God for all that we are worth? 
You see, generous in giving ourselves to God. A poverty spirit always holds back. It always counts the cost. It always wants to pay the minimum. The opposite of a poverty spirit is actually a spirit of love. So think about that. If we're going to break a poverty spirit, we're going to break it with a spirit of love. Love gives, love goes, love sacrifices, love uh, serves as best as it can. I believe that's how we're going to break that poverty spirit, by loving for all we're worth. Because love is giving and generous. Living with generous love towards God breaks poverty thinking. Matthew 6 verses 33, that beautiful famous verse, seek the kingdom of God above all else. That's the generous living I'm talking about. Above everything else, God, I'm going to live for you. God, I'm going to give everything to you. I want to open my heart. I want to love you. I want to serve you. I want to live generously towards God, just the way God has been generous towards us. And live righteously and he will give you everything you need. And there's the clue. The more we are generous towards God, the more it opens up his generosity back to us. That is, live generously to God, your best time, your best effort. Have a look at uh, Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. It says, Jesus said, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. The second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. But don't you love that emphasis on all? That's what I'm talking about. We break a poverty spirit with allness. No holding back. Poverty spirit wants to hold back. This generous spirit of love wants to be all in. God, I want to love you with my all, all my strength, my heart, my mind, my time, everything given over to God. Be generous in love and that breaks off poverty thinking. So my friends, there we have episode number one, breaking, recognizing a poverty spirit. Now, this is the root. You can talk uh, and we can, we can talk about financial strategies. Next week, I'm going to talk about wise money decisions, looking at some scriptural examples and principles of the decisions we can practically make day by day. But here's the thing. You can have all the best wisdom and advice in the world, but if your heart is being controlled by a spirit of poverty, then it's not going to make any difference at all. Radical financial repentance starts with this repenting of a poverty spirit. Are you living in bondage to a poverty spirit? To believe the gospel means to believe in a generous, loving, good God. Be honest right now. Take a moment to reflect. If that's not your revelation, if you still have a, a distorted view of God where you see God is being stingy or holding back or half in, half out, then repent right now. God, give me a revelation of your generosity. To believe in Jesus means to believe that we are extremely valuable to the Father. Some of you, this is the word that you need to hear tonight. This is a word that has had such an impact on my life, and I'm believing it's going to make an impact on some of your lives as well. I want you to hear me today from the Word of God. You are valuable. If you've allowed the enemy to lie to you, if you've allowed the enemy to constrict you, if you've allowed yourself to be, to be imprisoned by this poverty spirit, then at the heart of it is the enemy's lie that you're not enough, you're not good enough, you're not valuable. Right now, may the truth of God's word set you free. In Jesus' name, I want you to receive it, not because of what you've done, but because God says you are valuable. You are precious. You are worth paying the life of my son to set you free because I want you in my family to be able to love you, to give you eternal life. Would you repent right now? If you've been held captive to those feelings of not enough, repent right now. Jesus, in you, I am enough. In you, Lord God, I am valuable.
And then thirdly, break a poverty spirit by no longer holding back from loving God. Give more of yourself by putting more of Him first. That's the step of faith that I'm challenging each of us to make today. Are you holding back? Are you, are you really seek first the kingdom of God? Is, is God really first? First in your time, first in your heart, first in your affection, first in, in every area of your life. I believe this is the practical step towards breaking that holding back spirit. We think, but surely if I give everything to God, there's nothing left for me. Wrong. It doesn't work like that. In fact, the more we give to God, the more we discover uh, that what we do have. We discover the, the life God's really called us to live. We discover His strength, His grace. And so I'm asking you now, are you really giving everything to God or have you been holding back in some way? So let me leave you with this. If, if you have been challenged right now, and certainly I get challenged every time I go through these notes again, I just, I want to repent. And I hope you feel that as well. Remember the Bible tells us in 1 John 1 verses 8 and 9, it says, if we claim we have no sin, oh, this doesn't affect me. I'm innocent in this area. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, remember, confession doesn't mean, oh, sorry, Lord. Confession means your word is true, my ways are wrong. And confession is what leads us to repentance. When we're truly able, yes, Lord, I am valuable to you. I'm confessing that I've been thinking of myself as less than valuable. I confess, Lord, that you are a generous, good God. I've been believing that you've been a bit stingy or you're holding back because you're angry with me or disappointed. Lord, I want to confess that the only way to live is 100% all out for you. I confess that I've been holding out, giving you only half of my heart, half of my time. I want to give you everything. Does that make sense? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. Two, two things. Forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all our wickedness. Isn't that beautiful? It's confession, being honest with God, declaring His word is true, my ways are wrong, and as we confess it and repent, so He washes away our sin and He cleanses us from all wickedness. To release the power of the gospel, we trust the Lord and His word. We confess our sins and we turn to God's higher ways and start walking in them by faith. My friends, this is the start of radical financial transformation in our lives. Would you repent with me today and let's trust God. Lord, start me on a new journey. No longer holding back, no longer held back in poverty. I want to walk in the freedom that you've called me to in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's say a quick prayer. Would you pray along with me? Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much, Father, that you are the most generous and loving being in the whole world. We just worship you right now. We thank you for giving us Jesus, for demonstrating your love and your generosity. Father, thank you that you call us valuable. And right now, Lord, if, uh, if we've been holding back, thinking we're not good enough, not worthy, we just repent right now. We confess that's a lie from the enemy. Thank you that we are valuable to you. And thank you that because we're valuable to you, you treat us as things of value, as people of value. And Father, forgive us as well if we've been holding back and only loving you half, giving you half, half our strength, half our mind. Truly today, we want to repent and say, Jesus, we want to love you with 
everything. Thank you for your amazing goodness. Thank you that you right now are breaking us free of this poverty spirit, setting us free so that we can walk in the freedom of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would bless every single person watching and listening to this. Bless them. Thank you that your gracious hand is upon us. Holy Spirit, may this truth produce fruit in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Thank you so much for watching along with me. I pray and hope that it has been helpful to you. You're welcome to leave comments, uh, any questions you have, and we'll try and answer and respond to those. And uh, feel free to share this to anyone else who might be struggling in this area of finances to encourage them. And uh, hope to see you next week again. Same place, same time. God bless. Bye for now.